0: If you know how to write copy, then you are going to sell more of whatever it is, your own products and services, affiliate products and services, books, whatever it is. Copy really helps with all of that.
1: It is episode 52 of the Become a Media Maven podcast, which means I guess this is my one year anniversary. Because this is episode 52 and there are 52 weeks in a year. So thanks for being with me on my one-year anniversary. And today we are talking to my friend Brian Cohen. Brian and I met in the SPI Accelerator. That is Pat Flynn's high-level mastermind. And Brian does something that I didn't even know like this job existed. He writes book descriptions for authors. And... It's apparently a pretty big deal. Like, this is something that will determine if somebody buys your book. And if you are not an author, if you're not planning on being an author, like, don't tune out just yet because he is also talking about how he runs his business on autopilot. Like, Brian does a lot of amazing things online when it comes to selling these book description packages that he puts together. So you're not just going to learn about book descriptions and all of that jazz, but you're going to learn about how he built his business and how he runs his business. So I think you will like this episode with my friend, Brian Cohen. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Brian, thank you for joining me on the Become a Media Maven podcast.
0: Thank you for having me, Christina. I'm very happy to be here.
1: And I'm glad you're here because, like I was telling you before, I think your industry is so unique and like I didn't even know it was like a thing until Mm -hmm. I met you. But after like really thinking about it, it's actually a really important thing.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) I you know I you know I agree with you.
1: (laughs) Of course. Tell everybody what you do, what this very important thing is.
0: So you you know how like when you're first getting started or when you when you kind of change your business slightly you figure out like how do you tell a normal person or a new person what your business is like so that they understand it and so the way I currently introduce what I do to just random people is I run a company that writes the book descriptions that go on the back of a book and they, and the, the reaction I always get. Now I'm, I'm getting this reaction 100% of the time is I didn't know that was a thing.
1: <laughs> okay. So I don't sound like an idiot.
0: So absolutely <laughs> sound like else when you absolutely, what, what my company does.
1: So how did you even get into this?
0: So years ago, uh, before I was, uh, I, I, had been writing some, uh, books and I'd had some success, uh, mostly with self-publishing and I was starting to kind of, uh, connect with other authors and see how I could help them. But at the time I was still doing a lot of, freelance writing. I have an English degree and that was a way I could make money that wasn't working at Starbucks, which I had quit several years before that time. And I'd been doing freelance for various uh, publications, ghostwriting for, I I don't even know if you know this about me, uh, ghostwriting for, for some CEOs on Forbes and Fast Company and all these random publications. And uh, a friend of mine, it was actually in a mastermind group, which is how you and I know each other. Shout in, out, Pat Flynn. Shout out, shout out, SBI Accelerator. Um, is A friend of mine in my mastermind said, Brian, you're trying to connect with all these authors, but all this freelance that you're doing has no connection with what you care about. So why don't you try to find some way you can use your freelance copywriting for authors, for writers, for people who you already are trying to connect with on a daily basis. And I was like, great idea. I threw up a sales page in the next week. And I said, hey, guys, uh, you, you know that thing you hate writing on the back of your book or on your Amazon sales page? I'll do it for you. And I think we got 100 uh, uh, hundred sales in the first 30 days.
1: Okay, that's insane. So back up. You're really mm-hmm. good at selling this stuff online. We've had many conversations about
0: this. <laughs> so yeah, tell have. me
1: how this happened. You had to have had some kind of audience of authors at this point, correct?
0: Mm-hmm, I did. I My main thing, you'll be happy to hear, was a podcast. So... I had been growing a podcast with a friend of mine, Jim Kukrel, who runs uh, Author Marketing Club. And he was kind of a guy who'd been in the industry for a while and was asking around about who wants to start a podcast with me. And I had connected with him a few uh, months earlier and said, I'll do it, I'll do it. And kind of, you know, the young buck and the grizzled old veteran. Uh, He's not that much older than me, but the the veteran of the industry and and we connected over that and we'd been running the podcast for at least six to eight months by then. And so we had started to build that following when I was ready, willing and able to actually launch a business on the back of it.
1: Okay, and how long were you doing this podcast and building your audience before you sold your first thing.
0: <sighs> I'm trying to think exactly. It was it was six to eight months or a year. That's so we. That long. No, no, not at all. And I'm very fortunate. This is you know the the caveat you have to throw in there. Jim had an audience already, and so when we launched the podcast, he shared it with his audience, mm-hmm. and that was a nice boost if you're if you're if you're looking to start a podcast with a partner and you don't have anything and a partner maybe has 15 to 20,000 people on an email list that doesn't hurt things
1: makes sense okay so tell me exactly what you sold and what you had to do to deliver it
0: absolutely so at first what we did, uh, what we—it was me. It was me in a room. There's no we. There, there. Later is there. There's a we, but at the beginning, I uh, put together. Man, at first I think it may have just been like a a, a PayPal. Page. Eventually, I think I did hire someone to throw together one of those really long-form, annoying sales pages, and later I changed that. But uh, for the low, low price of $49, we said we would uh, turn around in a month, we would take your info, your existing uh, thing that you have on the back of your book, There were a few other questions here and there, which has been refined over time. And I would take that info, and in a month, I would turn it around and make it something better. And I I think we also included some fancy HTML code to make it look a little nicer, give it a bigger headline, give it a bigger call to action at the end. And that was the offer. And I made that offer on our podcast, and I think I had a small email list at the time, probably no more than 500 people. And so I launched it to those two things to get uh, people interested. But I think, you know, our good friend Pat, who took years before he even sold anything that was his, it was kind of a similar approach to I I was just with, with Jim, we were just delivering value. And we weren't selling anything. And so the first thing we sold was my book description service. And people were like, I, you know, whether or not they, uh, they even needed a book description, they said, oh, I, I love what Brian's been doing. I want to reward Brian. And, and so that's how I, I think that's how that really started.
1: Okay, that's pretty cool. So then you had a month. To write a hundred book descriptions, it sounds like.
0: Mm, I did have a month to write a (laughs) hundred book descriptions. That was interesting. I definitely learned a a few things about getting a lot done in a short period of time.
1: Okay, so with your expertise and everything you do, why book descriptions?
0: Well, I think this was a real real case of looking around and seeing what people – Struggled with I I, you know, there's always these Facebook groups in every industry. There's multiple author Facebook groups And the thing I kept seeing was people saying Can you please help me with my description a lot of people call it a blurb even though? That's confusing because a blurb is also a quote you get from another author or a publication so it's uh, but but people use the terms interchangeably in self-publishing And so people were asking, please help me with my blurb. And I noticed that it was a bit of the blind leading the blind because even though it's counterintuitive, people who can write a 70,000 word novel, a 40,000 word nonfiction book, it's kind of tough for them to write something that's 200 words, 300 words that really uh, compresses and and expresses exactly what it is that a reader is going to want out of that book.
1: Okay. So tell me how important that is. Like I'm an avid reader. So, yeah. and I honestly, like I've never until this moment right here, I'm like, do I read the book descriptions? How often do I read them? And I mm-hmm. always do. Even if I know I'm going to buy the book, like I'll buy every James Patterson book, right? Uh-huh. I know I'm going to buy it, but I still want to read the book description. So yeah. I guess the answer to my question is this is a pretty important factor.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're your good buddy, James Patterson. My right. Buddy. <laughs> We're like
1: BFF, <laughs> uh, me and JP.
0: If you've got a picture with them, they're your BFF. Yes, that's, that's all fine. I got to say. Same
1: thing. Thank you, Brian.
0: For yeah. No, of course. Of course. I get it. Um, So. Yeah, I agree with you that it's very important. What what we've found, and this is research we've done, research uh, other people in our industry have done, is that the the book description isn't necessarily the thing that gets readers to go to a page. Uh, if, if you have if you're looking up a book on Amazon, you probably type in a search term, and and then it it pops up, and so. Um, when it's uh, when it pops up, you already are seeing the cover. You're seeing it in like this teeny tiny thumbnail size. So obviously the cover is important too. Uh, but once you click to that page, you've seen the cover already. You don't care about the cover. There's there was a a, a heat map someone did. Michael Alvear, a guy uh, in my industry, uh, who posted this on Romance University. He did a heat map thing with some readers, and they didn't look at the cover anymore. Once they were on the page, they've seen the cover. They searched. They found it. Cool. What they looked at next was the title and the reviews. So if the title is like, oh, this is exactly the problem I'm trying to solve, or this sounds like the exact thing in my thriller genre that I want to read— They might say, oh, the reviews are good. The title's good. They might click and buy right there. But if you keep following the heat map, you see some people are still moving on down. And they're moving on down to the book description. They're moving on down to that uh, that, that few paragraphs of copy. And if you don't get them in that few paragraphs of copy, if you don't get them to go over and click the buy button... There's not much left for them to check out on that page. They can scroll down. They can read some of the reviews, but that book description is, it's, it's, it's the make or break moment. I like to say, you'll like this. Copy is your closer. And without that copy being really strong, people aren't going to, uh, people who make it down to that description, they aren't going to go uh, buy that book.
1: And so, this is important, I think, in any book, but specifically Amazon. So, why do we? I mean, because I know this is probably how most people listening to this podcast, if they have a book, they're selling it on Amazon, correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, even with paperbacks, you, we think of uh, Amazon for ebooks, of course, but even with paperbacks, people aren't even reading they're not looking at the little image of the book <laughs> that you can click on and you can read the back of the book on there they're looking at this online description this text right there and 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 so many books like i my uh, bias will show here but but barnes and noble has really stopped caring about uh, how they sell their books online. There's, there's other platforms. Apple is re- really tries to make a push. There's Kobo. But when it comes down to it, it really is over 80% of sales come from Amazon. And so you need to make sure if you want to get that 80% of your sales or more, for some people it's 100%, then yeah, that Amazon sales page needs to be really stellar.
1: Holy smokes, 80% of sales of books come from Amazon?
0: I have seen numbers that say that. Um, I've seen numbers that say that even with paperbacks. I don't know like what the latest, you know. Wow. And Amazon –
1: I feel like the latest would be – that number would be higher.
0: Yeah, it's probably higher. I mean Amazon doesn't share the data. So it's really difficult to know. But – Yes. Most books, especially most books online, certainly are sold through Amazon.
1: That's crazy. I mean, I buy a lot of books. I love a bookstore, but I'm also lazy. And if I can buy it online in my house, I'll do that too. So I've done both. Um, Okay. So in your business, you actually write the book description for the author. Do you teach people how to do this or do you just do it, you and your team?
0: You know, we've uh, over time we've had programs and 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 on teaching book descriptions and uh, and and they went okay and I think they helped a lot of people, but we found that you know eight times out of ten it was just easier to do it for the author and it's it, I think that it's just difficult to train your brain to write in this shorter punchier way and a lot of people struggle with it so it just took less time less energy to just do it for them so they didn't even have to think about it and and so we have taught people some of those people have gone on to really kill it with their descriptions but others say you know eh, why mess with it just write it for me
1: Okay, that makes sense. Can you give us some tips on how to write a good book description here if we're an author and we're listening and we're like, you know, like you said, how do we turn this novel or this nonfiction book into something that's just 200 words? Like, where do you even start?
0: Well, for nonfiction, which I imagine most of your audience is going to be writing uh, more of a nonfiction, is to really start with, What is the problem your book is solving? Because when you're searching on Amazon, and this is what I found as a a nonfiction reader myself, I want to find the quickest way to solve whatever problem it is, whether I'm trying to get better PR, I'm trying to test out a business idea, or I'm trying to get out of debt. I want to know this book or these several books, because a lot of nonfiction readers will actually buy every book out there on a subject, is I want to know that this book solves my problem. And so we like to use kind of a question right off the bat, uh, like, are you struggling living paycheck to paycheck? You want uh, uh, something right at the top of your description that makes your target reader say, yeah, yes, because... You want to get them saying yes right away, you know, sales page psychology, and to the point that they're, they're saying, well, this book sounds like it's speaking to me, and then you kind of hit them with the fact that this book is the solution, discover the step-by-step system for getting out of debt and off on your dream vacation or something like that. And that shows them this is the book. This is the book that's going to solve the problem. And so if you even just start with that, you could have the worst description in the world, but you start with a really strong hook that gets people saying yes, that is more than half of the battle.
1: Okay, and then how would you do this if you're writing a fiction book? How does that change?
0: Well, fiction, it really has to speak to that genre reader. Uh, you, you want, if it's a, a thriller, you want it to sound thrilling. You want it to have an awesome uh, detective or vigilante who's fighting against the odds. You If it's romance, you want to know, hey, this is going to have a, a guy and a girl or two guys and two girls uh, connecting and, and trying to find love. So it really needs to be specifically targeting that genre's readers. And you know, a lot of authors, they don't necessarily think about it from their target reader's perspective, but you, you need to, you, you probably need to read in your genre. You should do this if you write nonfiction too, is know what it's like to be in that reader's shoes and then convey that with your hook, convey that with, your, uh, with uh, the problem you're trying to solve. Just make sure that a target reader would look, take one look at your hook and say, yep, this sounds like it's exactly what I'm looking for.
1: Okay, and so I feel like, because, and you can explain this a little bit, but I feel like because you are so good at writing these book descriptions, that helps you sell this book description business that you have online a lot easier.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I mean, I've learned lots of tips over the years, and I've taken courses on, on selling things. But when it comes down to it, if you have a good sense for what words to use when you have only one or two lines, uh, when you have the opportunity to connect with your Uh, your followers on social media or via email, if you know how to write copy, then you are going to sell more of whatever it is, your own products and services, affiliate products and services, books, whatever it is. Copy really helps with all of that.
1: And that's, I feel like, That's the key to everything because you write it and people, you know, you can obviously read it like what we're talking about, but then you could also say it in a Mm -hmm. video or I mean Mm -hmm. like that's the key to everything. So how did you first learn this like back in the day? Obviously, we know how you get a lot of practice now, but how did you very first learn (laughs) this?
0: Uh, Well, I think it really helped that some of my early freelance jobs were trying to say things in fewer words, trying to... I originally started writing how-to articles on uh, ehow.com way back in the day and trying to rephrase things in, in in a short, succinct way was really helpful. Honestly, writing poetry was really helpful. I took several poetry classes in college, was really into Shakespeare... I'm, I'm a total English major nerd at heart, and, and those were things that really helped me in the beginning, but I think what anyone could do, if you hate Shakespeare, and you hate poetry, and you hate the idea of writing uh, articles, one thing I would recommend is reading copy, reading ads, looking at ads, looking at the sales emails and the sales pages of other people and not looking at it with this attitude like, oh, I hate this salesy crap, looking at it with the attitude of there's something I can learn here, whether it's a good sales copy or bad sales copy, you, you can use something here. And you can learn something here. And if you, like, I will sometimes take pictures of really good ads that I see. I, I live in Chicago. So, so every bus stop has a big ad on it. And, and those ads get changed out every couple of weeks. And if I see like a headline or something that's really sharp, I'll take a picture of it or I'll write it down because there is, is something to learn there. And I think that. It's no different. You've been involved in so many different kinds of media, Christina, with like print stuff and and press releases and, and video ads and everything. And so there's so many different ways that that info can be conveyed, but you need to start paying attention to it because those little things here and there, examples of good ads and bad ads, are going to help to train you in what's going to work for your business.
1: Okay, perfect. So where should people start? Like, even if they're not somebody who has a book now or needs a book description, but everybody, regardless of who you are and what you do, you could become a better copywriter. So yes. where would you suggest they start? Like, you mentioned you took some classes. Where, where should people start?
0: I think that you should it's kind of like when you are trying to figure out how much you eat or or and and write down all the your foods or or how much you uh what you spend your time on like a little time journal i would start just being on the lookout boloing for for ads for copy start uh thinking about okay well i read the newspaper I'll look at these newspaper ads or I I take my kid to school and I pass by three or four billboards on the way, or I am online and this website always has ads. Take, make it a challenge for yourself. Say in the next seven days, you know, you know, our our friend Jada with her challenges, make it your own challenge. (laughs) seven, the next seven days, you're going to write down one ad each day and you're just going to write them down and you're going to give yourself a few minutes to think about it. And I think that is, is a simple step you can take that you, and obviously it takes action. You, you could just think about it, but take some action and, and, and see some trends and and it's going to be really informative about how you can start positioning your own business
1: love it okay and if people want to find out more about you brian where can they find you where should they go
0: well podcast listeners out there i have a couple of podcasts there's the sell more books show which is very industry focused on self-publishing i know see the branding was very clear there (laughs) (laughs) And uh, if you are, you're already publishing books and you say, I want to run some ads. I want to get more uh, people to look at my books. Well, I've been running a new podcast called Relentless Authors Advertise. And uh, you can find out about paid ads there. And Christina, is it okay if I tell them one more place to find me?
1: Yes, but then I want to go back to the ads because you're really good at them.
0: Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Um you can if you say I'm writing a book or I or I've written a book and I want a better book description, you can go to bestpageforward.net and we will write it for you. So ads, what do you want to know about ads?
1: Well, you're just really good at them and maybe that's because you're a good copywriter, but tell me a little bit more about that podcast and what people can learn from that podcast because I feel like so many people, they throw money at ads, especially on Facebook, and they're like, oh my gosh, why isn't this working? I've wasted so much money. But you don't waste money. You make money, honey. So tell people a little (laughs) bit about how you do it and what they can learn more on the the Relentless Authors Advertise Podcast. That's a mouthful today.
0: I know. Some people are referring to it as rad, that ad in the advertising, oh, they call cute. it RAD. Okay, tell us about RAD. I like so that RAD uh, is very focused on the book ads. So uh, there's a lot of concentration on Amazon ads and Facebook ads, and there's a, a big platform for authors called BookBub. So BookBub ads. So it's really focused on on those kinds of ads, but it's trying to to make it so you you're not in that position where I feel like this ad is working or I feel like this ad isn't working. There's numbers, there's actual numbers (laughs) that we're sharing. We're actually every single week we're sharing how much money we spent on book ads and how much money we made on our books. So it's, it's not theoretical. It's actual what we do, what was the copy we used? So what were the words we used? What were the ads that were our most successful? And we're sharing all of that on the show every week. And what we're hoping to do is to show people that these ads, these numbers are not scary. You just need to, every single week, you need to like keep track of them so that you're not just saying, oh, I think this is working. You, you really need to, to buckle down. And on the uh, that your kind words about me being really good at ads. I think that with ads, it's really similar to the hook of your fiction or your nonfiction book. As we discussed earlier, if your book solves a problem, mention that in your ad, every single ad I put out that's promoting a product or a book, it asks that question at the top. Basically, have you been struggling with this? Are you suffering from this? Do you feel like this is a problem? Every single one I put out. And without fail, those tend to do pretty well. So I really recommend you start thinking about who do you want to connect with? What is the main problem they're suffering from? And then expressing that problem in the form of a question, succinctly and quickly and in such a way that it's above the fold and and everything on an ad. How can you do that? And then try to do that with every ad that you put out.
1: Love it. Thank you, Brian. I will link to the two podcasts and bestpageforward.net in the show notes. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you have not already, please head to PitchPublicityProfit.com and make sure you sign up for my free three-day video media class where I teach you how to pitch the media to earn publicity and turn it into profit without spending $1 on advertising. Make sure you come back next week. I'm super excited about next week. I am talking to a lovely woman named Brittany Crystal, and she is talking about LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is my jam. I know I'm active on Instagram and on Twitter and I post on Facebook, but LinkedIn is where I get all of my quality leads. If I had to pick one social media platform to focus on, and not do anything with the rest, it would 100% be LinkedIn. Why? Because that's where the decision makers are. That's where the decision makers who have money are. People message me all the time on Instagram, but they don't want to spend more than 50 bucks for me to help them. And that's just not gonna work with what I do. On LinkedIn, they understand investing in their business. They understand marketing and public relations and earning exposure in the media. So that is where I get most of my leads that turn into dollars for me. And Brittany Crystal is a LinkedIn expert and I'm so excited to have her on next week. And she's going to tell us all the ins and outs about building your brand on LinkedIn so you can build your business and make more money, people. So make sure you come back next week. I will see you then.